faces that may not have been here a year ago when we first talked to the congregation, then move into where we are now, and then perhaps where we might be in the future, and then open it up to all of your comments, critiques, criticisms, suggestions, whatever. So if that's okay, that's where we'll go. Uh, going back about, it's been pretty near three years ago, Bev Morrison, when Bev was president of the congregation, asked me if I would chair a long-range planning committee. I said, sure. And so I formed what I thought was a very nimble, small committee to start with. And I asked Rich Canarelli to be on. Rich had a rich uh, history with the church as past president and uh, a great deal of experience. And I asked Joel Morrison before Joel was president. So the three of us took it on. And Bev said, what we need to create is a vision for this campus. What might it look like, say, 20 years from now? If we don't have a vision, we'll never get anywhere. We'll just be where we are. So Joel and Rich and I worked with Charlotte Engineering and created this plan, which I have up here. And I, if you'd like to move down close and see it, if you haven't seen it, feel free. This is a very relaxed presentation, nothing formal. So we created this and we presented it to the congregation, I believe it was in April of last year, and said, this is a picture of where we might be sometime in the future. I just told Barbara it might be 2020, you know what I mean? Or not 2020, 20 years from now, I believe is what I said. So what we have created, and I'll point out some highlights, and I know this is difficult to see and I wish I'd have made a slide, but this is Pine Brook here, this is Edmondson here, this is our current sanctuary and our pond. This is uh, Waters Hall and Asta Linder. So what we created was we abandoned this, what's referred to as the Shell Road right here, moved the entrance clear down here to the west end, uh, put a nice pond here and a big box that represents a building. Some people are calling it a fellowship hall, which I think is a wonderful warm name for a big box. Parking here, a nice round up, roundabout drop-off area for either the, the, the new building or the sanctuary, and plenty of parking. So we said last year when we presented that, what are we going to do with that? And the answer was, we're not going to do anything with it. We're in the process of having a settled minister. Until the settled minister gets on board, it's not right to try to do anything until that person is part of it. So we dropped it, April. Well, as we all know, Kleber came on board in what, September? August. August, thank you. And in November, we met with him, Joel and Rich and I, and Kleber said, I think that's a really, really nice looking plan. He said, I like that. Looks nice. Hope we can grow into it. So we said, well, where do we go next? And we said, well, one of our bits of knowledge here in Venice is there's going to be a lot of work on Pine Brook Road. Pine Brook's going to turn into Honoré, what, supposedly next year? Somewhere in the short near term. And we believe that this turn lane which enables you to come out here next to IBMS 
Island Village of Montessori, but most of us call it IBMS. The ability to turn north is going to go away. So we said, well, let's meet with Kim Elmer, who's the top honcho at IBMS, and share this. So Joel, through a lot of time and trouble, <laughs> got Kim to sit down with us. And Kim looked at it, and Kim said, oh, that's a, that's a wonderful plan. I love it. Kim's a, she's a dynamic lady. I just love her to death. She said, that's beautiful. She says, I love all the parking, looking at it from IBMS. And she said, oh, if you build a hall, that would be wonderful for our graduation. I mean, we hadn't even offered it yet, but I mean, you know. And we said, yeah, it would. Um, and she said, well, you know, how big do you think it might be? Well, we don't know. And we said, you know, what we think is our first step is, is putting that road down on the west property and putting a pond down there and creating a new entrance and abandoning the shell road because we're concerned that the entrance to Pinebrook is going to affect you at IBMS quite a bit. And she said, that's interesting. And we talked a little bit about the road, who might build it, who might maintain it, who might own the land. And the door was left open. And Kim said, thank you very much, and left. So, and, and I saw Joel came in. Joel, anything you hear that you want to add to? Just I will. <laughs> so after Kim left, we said, hmm. Doesn't seem to be any urgency there on their part. We thought there would be. And there isn't any real urgency on our part. I mean, we don't have to have a road in a pond. We've lived fine for several years without it. So where do we go? And so we looked at the building and said, is this where we go? So at this time, I'd like to take just a short break and have Bill show, have you seen the video that's on our website now about the building of this sanctuary? I'd like to share that with you. It goes back to Reverend Suzanne Nazion, who I was privileged to know when she, I knew her when she was like half time. Uh, and it's a cold winter day in 2002. And when we talk about long range planning and buildings, I think it's smart to look at where you've been to maybe figure out where you might go. So Bill, do you think you could bring that up and I'll move this? It's about a, it's about a five minute video. I've watched it about three times and it's kind of moving. Here we go. Let us gather in the spirit of blessing for this place. Out of wood and stone, out of dream and sacrifice. Uh, that's like the fourth time I've seen that. And it's 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 kind of touches you. I mean, I wonder in that crowd standing here in the cold, surely there was somebody that was thinking, oh my gosh, what are we getting into? I heard something in there about, somebody said 100 years, uh, something about 100 years. And, you know, they were forward thinking. They took a chance. They took a risk. Uh, some of those people are no longer with us also. Uh, so, and But many are. I was looking at Dale. Dale, they were there. Um, 
So are we ready for a building? I don't think so. I don't think so yet. So the committee talk, and I should say the committee now has an ex officio member that has attended every meeting, and that's Kleber Van Zandt. He's been with us every step. So we said, are we ready? We've got, we've got a larger congregation. I mean, we're up over 200 members. Uh, Rich Cantarelli came back this season. They were here for, what, two months, I believe? And Rich said, I don't believe this. He said, first of all, I look around. I used to know everybody, and now he said, I don't know half the people are there, which is, you know, growth and also some loss. But Rich said, and I, I found it meaningful, he said, there's a vibrant energy here now a real sense of energy, he said, that is more so than what we've had in the past. And I, coming from him, I thought that was very meaningful. So there's a lot of pluses. On the, on the negative end, and I hate to be negative, but we talk about it, um, the leadership on our pledge campaign, we've gone two years in a row with basically what we call it, Bonnie, fill-in leadership. Um, ad hoc is <laughs> probably the best definition. Now, on the other hand, the congregation has been very generous and very supporting. You know, like, hey, don't give me a big speech. Don't come to my house. Just, you know, hand me an envelope and let me send you a check. But we recognize there's, there has been some lack of, I don't want to be the champion and go be in charge of this. We've had growth. This is what? It's the second year of our coordinating council. Are we getting ready to start our second or our third? But to start our third. So we've had two years. So the long-range planning said, maybe we need to have somebody look at us. Where are we now? What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? What are we ready for? So I was asked to contact UUA in Boston which uh, referred me to a gentleman by the, by the name of Mark Ewart, E-W-E-R-T. And Mark is a consultant for UUA and has helped many, many congregations. In fact, Kleber tells a story, i got to diverse, that he was with one congregation that, that they had UUA people came in and led them to where they wanted to go. He had another congregation that he was, I forget, a neighbor of or something that said, no, you guys are 180 degrees wrong. Turned them totally around in their thinking. I don't think he ever said who it was. Did he, Joel? Oh, okay. <clears throat> so we said maybe, maybe we should ask that. So we contacted Mark, and Mark is going to be here. On November, pardon me, it's the middle of November, oh, let me get the date, you remember the date Joel? like the 19th and do what they call an assessment visit and he will basically come in on Friday 
meet with the Board of Trustees and the Minister, and then Saturday we'll have a full day of meeting with committees. He'll do social justice, he'll do the Finance Committee, the Stewardship Committee, uh, the Committee on Ministry and Worship, you know, gr the, the Grounds Committee, basically the whole organization. Then on Sunday, he'll walk the grounds. On Sunday, he'll attend a service. And after the service, at some point, and I don't know whether it'll be a forum or what, he will present a summary of what he has seen. Then he will go back and he will meet with the Board of Trustees and he'll go back to, he's from Washington, D.C., and prepare a written assessment of the visit. And we think at this stage of our growth that this is a thing to do. So the Long Range Planning took it to the Board of Trustees last Tuesday. And the Board of Trustees passed the motion. Uh, the cost is $2,000 for the visit uh, plus expenses. So the motion was passed not to exceed $3,000. Now, while $3,000 is a fair amount of money, we think that perhaps now of getting this ship you know, shored up or, or directed, maybe this is the time to do it. We think we're pretty darn good. Are we as good as we think we are? And what holes need to be plugged? So, I hate to say it, but long-range planning at this stage generally takes the summer off, like many of you do. So that will be in, in November. In fact, Mark has a, his mother. Used to live in Nokomis. I believe she lives in Sarasota now. So he is coming down here on the May the 2nd, 3rd, and is going to come visit us just because he's in the area to get to know us a little bit. Thought it might be a good chance for him to meet Kleber and, and uh, Joel and I, but he'll be here. So, you know, if you want to bend his ear, I can probably trap him for a few minutes. Um, so it's kind of a freebie, and I think he's kind of latched onto us and adopted us just because of his mother being in the area. He was, he doesn't know the area because he said, he said to me, he said, well, Dave, maybe we could meet for coffee and then walk over to the church afterwards. Well, <laughs> no, no coffee shops close. So that's the next action of the Long Range Planning Committee. Now, going back to the building, do we need a building? We do not want to build a building and figure out then what to do with it. We don't want to build a building and saddle this congregation with a huge debt. We don't want to build a building and figure out what we're going to do. We should approach this from what do we want to do and do we need a building to accomplish that? This is kind of a reversal of, of thought in some ways. Now, I'm beginning to feel like a middle sophomore, maybe graduating sophomore year in this congregation. There's a lot younger, but there's a lot older too. I've seen growth in my time. When I first came here, they did the food pantry, and that was about it. So then, you know, Barb Griffin came along and we did some things with the Center of Hope. We did the giveaway day. And Phil and Steve came along and we started doing the backpack kids. Now they're doing a sandwich program. Now Barb's led us into the uh, family promise. We're reaching out into the community. 
we're using our time and talent. We like to talk about treasure, and that's important. But we're using our time and talent. We're doing the work of the congregation, the mission and vision. So maybe this is where we need a fellowship hall or a building to do some of this work. Could we have a giveaway day every Friday? I mean, in a small, a small room. Could we pass out sandwiches and, and, and soft drinks to the homeless every Thursday? I mean, what do we want to do? We've talked about, yeah, we could have the League of Women Voters put on talks here. There's a lot, we could have square dances, but we're not going to build a building so we don't have to put the chairs up and down to have an auction or put the chairs up and down so we can have trivia night. Now, I agree it's a pain in the rear end. I don't like it at all. And I feel like I've done it as much as, but that is not a reason to go in debt and build a hall. We've got to decide, and we're going to be talking to the coordinating council. I view our coordinating council as the leadership of this congregation, more so than the Board of Trustees. The Board of Trustees does a lot of decision making, but the coordinating council and that umbrella they represent is the real leadership of this congregation. And we're going to ask them to think about, and the big one is social justice, the biggest one. What do we see ourselves doing in 10 years? What do we want to do in this community or this state that we're not doing? And does that require a building? Maybe it's as somebody told me, and she's here, maybe all we need is a little gazebo out there so we can meet outside once in a while. Of course, in this kind of weather and the rain and everything, it had some problems. But we're trying to be practical about this thing. We met the long-range planning. Joel contacted a fellow by the name of John Spitzer, without an L, right? Spitzer. John is a member, fairly new member of our congregation. I believe he joined, what, this past year? He's a friend. Okay, he's not a member. John is a professor of finance at Iowa State University. Oh, wait, Iowa. University of Iowa. He's a Hawkeye. <laughs> and John met with the Long Range Planning Committee. And I'd like to put up here the other one, Bill. Yeah. This is what John said. I've wrestled with the meaning of of stewardship myself for a long time. Is it just a fancy word for raising money? You know, and I've wrestled with the meaning. John said stewardship offers the members, this would be of you, Cobb, the opportunities to support the mission and the values of the church. In other words, you're supporting what you want to do. And we're going to see more of this if I have my say. I mean, as we move out into the community, uh, Kleber said, you know, we've got a neighborhood right down here to the west. Maybe we could make a, a more enjoyable week for some of those people if they would come here. Yeah, they're not going to bring their treasure, but can we make their day or their week better? We need, I see us reaching out more and more into the community and doing more and more things. The mission and the values of the church. <laughs> rather than as a mechanism for raising funds for the church. 
So this is what stewardship is to me. John put it in a, in a perspective that I felt I could understand. So we're going to be talking, as I say, the coordinating council to most of these, a lot of these people are starting their first term this year on there. And as they go through the year, start dreaming. That's what this, this plot plan is, is a dream, but only if we need it. Joe, any comments? I'll bring you the mic. <laughs> so that's kind of where we are. The only two things that really we're going to do right now is we've contacted the consultant in November, and we're going to be talking more to the um, coordinating council about ideas. Let the ideas rise from within. What do we want to do? So at this point, what? More emphasis on that term stewardship. Yes. The board has already changed the name of the uh, coordinating council team on finance to stewardship. And uh, so there is a stewardship team, but we're going to use it in the broader sense than in just simply a monetary sense. And I think that's a focus that has to be done. We should be starting on it now and carrying it right through this year up until Todd Mark gets here so that we have presentable program and stewardship for to uh, learn about. So um, that is one one thing that we'll be doing. But basically, uh, Dave has given you a good indication that we're kind of putting long-range plan as we have been doing it on a back burner until November. And we're going to concentrate on getting a broader stewardship program in the congregation started. Our, and, our structure. Yeah, structure. So that's what you'll be hearing more about during the summer and in the fall than you will about buildings and uh, bulldozers. And so the those of you that had like your that. checkbooks out, you can put them away. <laughs> um, I've taken about 25 minutes, and we've got at least a half hour. So how about one at a time, if you have questions, comments, critiques, suggestions, whatever, just... We'll just start right here with Fran. I wonder if you know anything about the possibility of Pinebrook Road coming on a bus route. That would open up tremendous opportunities for us. Uh, do we know? I don't. I have two comments. Uh, looking at the plot plan, I think that if we had significant growth in the congregation, you need a lot more parking space. And secondly, I wonder if putting additions on this building would be cheaper and easier than building a whole new building. I can answer uh, partly, Barbara. Um, we started out thinking that and found out that actually it wouldn't be. It'd probably be cheaper to build a building than to extend this. Plus, we had some kickback in the congregation about changing this building. It's a meaningful building to a lot of people and like to keep it, you know, in its original form. <clears throat> in terms of parking, it was one of our major concerns, and that's why we went to Charlotte Engineering. They have, there are rules. Uh, there are rules in Venice of how many parking spaces you have to have for the number of people that go into a building. And so they've made it for that 
they have figured that this, this satisfies that need, as well as the number of um, handicap parking and all like that. So that currently has 146 spots on it. Yeah. Vehicles, 146 now, it vehicles. It seems small, I, I grant you, because we usually come one to a car. Or some of us get in the habit of husband and wife coming in separate cars because we come for different lengths of time. Uh, but um, we meet all the criteria of the city, and it's legal. But uh, whether we, it's enough, I don't know. I want to make another comment on Barbara's, uh, on the, should we add on or build? We show a large square there. In fact, it's 2,000 square feet. It's about double the size of this building. We would not have to build that all at once. We see that as a very plain building. I mean, not fancy at all. No big arches or, you know. But if you look at a lot of the churches around this area, their, their buildings are very whether cinder block or, you know, stucco walls or, and we could build and then add on. I mean, you'll only be talking about moving one wall. In fact, I'm going to guess that that's the way we'll probably end up and go. Um, I just, I do want to say, I don't know whether you said for constructing this to Charlotte Engineering, we went with specific questions. And they were the questions of how many parking spaces do we need, the handicap situation, do we need a second retention pond, and we told them, first of all, this is our plot. This is the land we own. Will it support? How big a building will it support? Really? For with parking, retention ponds, all like this. And I think 10,000 square feet is about the max that we can put on our, our land here. But they came back with, with this. But that, that rectangle can... And, and also, we, we ask for a, a main, in other words, in there might be a choir office and, you know, different things, but a, a main room with a stage, if you call this a stage, a raised area that would seat up to 400 people. We threw that out, thinking that would be the max. So, but again, right now it's just a box. Hi, I'm going back to parking for a minute. I'm sitting here counting noses or um, seats, and we have about 250 seats here, and if we're proposing 146 parking spaces, even if you have two people in each car, why isn't that, how does 146 accommodate larger groups than what we have the capability of right now? Uh, first of all, our allocation here in this building like 165 is the maximum number of people we can put in by law. Uh, but otherwise, uh, we we normally put in about 200, so we're actually breaking uh, the ordinance every time we do it. Okay, I don't think we have much over 200 chairs. Someone should know. Um, we have 200 chairs. We only have 200 chairs. Is all we own. Now, this would be easy to add. We've got parking there we could add, parking here, parking there. You know, we could show more. i got Linda, and then I'll be right back here, and then I'll be there. I understand why we have that drawing, because we thought there was going to be a need for it, and it was done pretty quickly. I think having that drawing available to us now is unhelpful, not helpful. 
we should start with questions, basic questions to the congregation of what we need, just like you're saying, and let what the drawing flow from that. We're, we're, we're focusing on something that came with really very little congregational input. You, you were working on a driveway, a road coming in and access, and I think it's limiting our vision by having that in front of us. It is, but it's also putting a limit a legal limit on what we can do with our space. Yes, and I think it was important yeah. to find out what our land but we're, but we're, but we we're focused. Right, we're focusing on a, a, a diagram where we have, we know our square footage can't go over this, we know our parking can't go over this, and then let, and then let us work from there. I, th I think we need to have some basic congregational input, um, even before we have a consultant come in, quite frankly. And that's why this coming Monday, which is like tomorrow, I'm going to be at the coordinating council for the coordinating council members that are here saying basically the same thing. What is our vision? What is our need? We're not going to build it if we don't have that vision and we don't have that need. That comes first. Okay, well, um, my main and very pressing thought is that I really hate the two Sundays the two services on Sunday, and I really think we need a bigger sanctuary. Why couldn't we use this building as our multi-purpose building and build a bigger sanctuary so that we could have all the people together for a service on Sunday? That, to me, is the really pressing thing that, that we I, need to do. I think that's an example of what Linda was just saying yeah. in the discussion that we have to have. Right. Well, yes, I do feel that too because I don't feel that I have had very much input into um, this whole idea, and I would like to put some in. That's a very valid suggestion. Yes, I'd like to open this up even more, and I probably will be extremely unpopular for suggesting it. But with Honoré poking through to Pinebrook, this property is going to go through the roof in value is my guess, real estate-wise. Another consideration might be, and many churches in the area are downsizing rather than growing. There may be something out there that would be meet all of our needs, the having one service, having a kitchen facility. Who knows? I don't think that that should be taken off of the... I know that we all love this place tremendously, but I think that... It's the people that we love, right. really. Hey, Peg, First Baptist, First Baptist on Miami Avenue is for sale. Right downtown, that across the street from the back alley, bigger and all like. Because this property are. is going to be so valuable. Yeah. Okay. When you say start thinking, um, in about, let's see, we moved here in 2005. Um, I was president of the congregation in 2008. Before that, I was chair of the Long Range Planning Committee. We were talking about these exact same things, and this was almost, you know, eight years ago, and the same things came up. And one of the problems was that we were never able to get anywhere because everybody had different ideas about what we should do. 
Now, I think your approach, Dave, is the right approach. Look at the vision, find out what we want to do. Don't worry about what we're going to build or what we're not going to build or selling the property or any of that stuff until we find out what we want to do because I think that's something that has never been done. That's more of a strategic plan uh, rather than a, a long-range building plan. And that's, that's the approach. This is beautiful. Keep it. But don't stick to it until we decide where we're going, what we're doing, and where we're going. So, uh, maybe uh, someone's not familiar with this building. I'd just like to add one thing. I noticed it didn't expand sanctuary. But all it's the 11 o'clock. All the internal walls in this building are freestanding. In other words, they can be taken out. And the original thought, we didn't know we were going to grow as fast as you're going, but the original thought was to expand out that direction. And that's why the building is setting exactly where it is. But yeah, just something to keep in mind that all the internal walls are freestanding. They can be torn out. And this building can stand here as a structure. And you can open it up that way or any direction. So just a thought. Oh, yes. I, since I've been a member uh, here, we've had a number of consultants come from UUA. And uh, some were for mission purposes, some were for long-range purposes. And having another one without having a more cohesive thought of what we're having them for, I wonder if we're making a mistake on that. Uh, are they going to be limited to discussing building plans? Are they going to be limited in what way? If they're not, is that enough time to actually come up with a firm proposal for us that's going to be meaningful over a longer period of time? It's my understanding that this is an assessment of whether this congregation is ready to embark on a building plan or to go that route. It's, it's limited to finding out if we have, and if not, we will end up with a list of things that have to go before, happen before we embark on a capital campaign or anything like that. Okay, it is an assessment of us as to where we are uh, right now. I guess that doesn't work. Uh, yeah, this, this assessment, they'll interview, they're going to spend time with Dan. I mean, everybody in the, not everybody in the congregation, but the, the different groups, and it's going to be open to a lot of people. But he's, they're going to see some holes in this organization, and they're going to say, you need to shore them up first. That's what I'm expecting to get out of this. You've got some holes. And before you, yeah, he, he's given us the ballpark. He said, he said already over the phone, your general guideline on building is don't get, is keep it in the three to five times your annual budget. Guess where we are? Just over three times is what we're talking, three to four times. So financially, we're there. The question is need. Do we need it? One, uh, Mimi, Mimi, could I say first that 
one of the consultants that we had from UUA was, was, came to us because we did, up the board at that time, ask the question. Because we, were, we had a lot of push saying, we've got to build, we've got to build. Remember we had a plan to build a sanctuary to seat 500? Remember that, Kendra? That was, was a dream. That was coming. It was a dream. Okay. But that we were getting pushed for that. So we contacted UDA and said, where are we in this? So that we're not doing something that we is impossible for us to do. And the consultant, the, the response was, you need to build a vision, a clear vision of where it is you want to be. And that's why we had a visioning weekend. And from my perspective, that visioning weekend laid the groundwork for where we are right now. And so, yeah, I think there are times when we have to ask consultants to come. And we may not have them say, you go out and do this right now. We still make that decision, but we're doing it more informed. So I would support having somebody from UUA come. Because now we'll be looking specifically at, okay, we built our vision. We're putting our vision into place. Are we ready for the next step? That person's not coming to say, put the wall here. And, and I agree totally. Um, I was on the original um, strategic planning, and thanks to Barbara for all her fantastic work. And I must say, I do believe Barbara is the one, one of the people in the congregation who's doing most to reach out in the community and show the possibilities for helping others, for reaching out, and all kinds of expansion. In addition to all the other great, we have RE and we have social activities and other things. We've got to get the vision going. Yesterday, I was at the district assembly, and it was amazing. And we had our second annual meeting of UU Justice Florida. And for everybody knows, UU Justice Florida isn't going to require a building. Okay, We're talking about solving problems that are going to take forever, and they're way in the distance. But it's the hands-on, in-the-community stuff that may possibly require some difference. But just to, to I'm going to toss out another dream, because We've got to get the vision down. We've got to figure out what we want to do before we do anything. I totally agree. But just to Walter's point, because I know Walter, I was also on the site planning committee. And originally, to Walter's point, knocking out the walls would totally change the acoustics of this building. For people who are in the choir, for people who enjoy the concerts that have been here, everything that Deborah Barioli did with Venice Performing Arts Center, that would possibly ruin the acoustics if we stretched out the building there or stretched it out back there. And this is a gem. This is an acoustical gem. The original architect that we got from Fort Myers built the Fort Myers main sanctuary. It is an acoustical gem. I invite all of you, if you can, go down there some Sunday, see it, see what they've done. Because they did whatever they did in, in, over time. They did, they did it over time. You don't do it all at once. As Dave said, if, if we do anything, we do it over time. You don't have to do a big whack all at once. But we've got to get the vision down and figure out what we want to do first. And I thank Barbara for, for fantastic work in the community. All right. Uh, my next? OK. Uh, I have two comments. Number one is that um, this is in a magnificent sanctuary. You don't feel as, as though you are closed in and to be able to use what you have and go forward with what you have seems a marvelous way to go. It takes a lot of work on our part to figure out what we want, but I do not understand 
why we ourselves cannot assess where our gaps are. Why do we need to spend money on another consultant? As I sit here and listen, I've heard we've had consultants before and we're still kind of at the same point that we were then. And the next point I'd like to make is that I sat here last week hearing a plea to put um, solar panels on the roof for a heck of a lot of money. It seems to me that we are nowhere near ready to put spend that kind of money for panels on a roof if we don't even know whether or not we want to be in this building. So in some ways, we may have our cart before the horse. And in other ways, I think this congregation itself needs to make the determination of what it wants to do and where it wants to go. Not a consultant. <laughs> Thank you. But I think that uh, you pointed out exactly why we have a consultant, because we don't know which the cart is before the horse, which is the horse and which is the cart. <laughs> I, I was with consultants in my work life. You know, we knew what was right. It's just, you know, right important. Leave us alone. Funny. But the, the key to me was uh, Rich Cantor Alton. Rich was here when we had consultants in before. That was referred to, and Rich said, "No, this is what we need now. This assessment weekend." And Rich was probably, wouldn't you say, the biggest supporter of it. And having done it once, I, I kind of listened to him because I'm. <laughs> um, I will say I'm a little confused at this point. I thought I had it when you started. The consultant that is coming. Is their purpose to assess our ability to determine what it is we want to do with our space and what our mission is and what we want to do going forward? Or is it more to assess our ability to fulfill this particular plan in the construct of our, our finances? It definitely is not the latter. It is, but it is the steps that we, you, you have it there? Yes. We have the list of the whole Well, let me read the sentence. The consultant gathers enough information. The consultant gathers enough information to gain a clear understanding of existing congregational strengths and opportunities, as well as identifying areas of weakness and potential threats. Uh, by the end of the visit, the consultant develops a sequence of actions to help the congregation reach its desired future, which we're saying we're not sure yet. Uh, the sequence, uh, that's just all detailed. Based on the information gathered, the consultant lists the steps necessary to attain its long-range goals. Um, so it's pretty open as far as what they're going to look at. They're going to look at whatever is glaring, glaringly good or glaringly bad. What, what, like I say, what holes do you need to shore up is what I'm looking at. We've changed our whole organizational structure kind of. Have we done the right thing? Are we in the right, you know, do we have the right pegs in the right holes before we go forward? I don't know whether that answers your question or not. Hi, I, I haven't been real involved um, at all. In fact, that's an understatement. Uh, I was ill this year, but um, I'm also trained as an architect, and so there are all kinds of things, you know, that I'm looking around and getting excited about. All right. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I haven't been that involved this year, um, partly because of illness and also laziness, but um, 
I'm trained as an architect and getting all excited about, you know, building things, but, but you're right. You need to have vision and know where you're growing and why. And what I'm struck by is that I've been a member of many Unitarian congregations in different parts of the country. This is the only one where we have such a seasonal difference in the number of bodies that we need to accommodate. And I'm just wondering that, I'm wondering how that influences our decision because nine months of the year we have more than enough space and three months of the year we're really short. And so how is that, you know, a lot of people have gone up north now and so, so how, how does that influence the decisions or the directions that we're taking? And, and it's true, it's cramped for those three months, but the rest of the time, as you know, driving and eating and everything else is quite generous um, space around here. And so, so I'm just wondering about that. Well, I don't have major, any answer. My major reaction to that is, is that's based on a, a static population, where we are now. Are we going to remain static? I mean, you know, with 1,500 homes being built up here in the next year or so, uh, with a major highway, a more major highway going through, are we going to remain? Maybe we will, but that has to figure in, I think. And to that point, yesterday, Peter Morales, our UUA president, was at the District Assembly in Orlando. It was fantastic. They were live streaming his talk to all four districts in our southern region, which has 12 states in it, from Texas to Virginia. He's coping with the whole idea of how do we deal with Unitarian Universalism? What are we doing to reach out and serve all the people who are now unchurched? That's the largest group of people. People have been dropping out of conventional religions, dropping out of Presbyterianism, et cetera, et cetera. And UUs have been slightly declining overall, like 1% a year in the past three years. And he's saying, what are we doing? What do we need to do differently? How can we reach out to those who are unchurched and yet who might be served well by Unitarian Universalism, whether they're the people next door in the mobile home parks or youth. And we need to be creative. And he also said exactly what you're saying. It is, you, you, it's, forget the word, we gotta go for growth. Growth is a result um, of what you do and what you wanna do and to help the, the world and the community. I've held Bonnie off for one minute here, just one minute. Our vision statement that's on the back of our program that we look at every week, I just want to read the first sentence in the vision statement. The Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Venice is a spiritual home that provides programs, services, and facilities to support and strengthen our dynamic, caring community. Is that what we've been talking about? Programs, services, and facilities to support and strengthen our dynamic, caring community. Bonnie. Um, a couple of things. I would like to echo what Joel is saying. Our current space works based on static membership. It also works based on static program. And so if we are looking at expanding our programs, doing some new things, different things, adding membership, we need to begin to imagine where the limitations are going to exist in our space. Second thing, um, 
very direct question, Dave. I've heard you and others say in a couple of settings now that the consultant has said, quote, we're in the ballpark. And, but that suggests to me this consultant has already been told we're contemplating a certain size capital campaign. And so I guess my question is, have we already set an, an expectation that may not be where we're headed? Yes, we have talked to him about a capital campaign and gotten guidelines on, on size, are we financially? But our number one question has been, are we ready? And I believe, were his words, you don't ever, wasn't he the one that, that talked to us about you want to have the need before you build it? You don't want to just have a financial albatross around your neck. So, yes, we have talked to him, but I'm more interested in getting this ship leveled in the water before we go forward. We're not ready today, folks. We're not ready. We don't need it today. Our congregation's growing. I don't know how fast. My guess is next year it's going to grow even faster. I believe Cleaver's going to attract it. I think we're going to grow. I think we'll grow financially. I think the spirit and programs and the vision, I think there's a lot more. We're not ready today. But the question is we need to get ready. Well, And all of the available information is that when there is a new ministry, um, it is that second year that really generates the dynamic growth. And for this consultant, before we get to Luda, he's already said, and he's going to get everything from Nan, he's going to get minutes of meetings, financial reports, as much history as he can of this place to get a vision before he ever sets foot on the property, except he is setting foot in May for a freebie. Brad. Uh, I want to say that I think uh, we all appreciate very much the people that have put all the hours into planning this up to this point. And what I'm hearing today makes an awful lot of sense, I think, about continuing to look at what we need. A couple of thoughts. What Kendra said about Peter Morales, our reaching out, we can see that happening here. The music program that we've had uh, through SIL has had wonderful success. So lots of people from outside coming here and getting a little bit of idea about what Unitarian Universalism is about. The Venice Interfaith uh, group, uh, smaller activities, but still um, we are looked on as a leader in the community in terms of uh, offering people opportunities to come and to discuss things that they may not have an opportunity to do in their own churches. And I think that this is a factor that may be considering a little bit more than just what we need in our own congregation to continue to reach out to people would be something important to keep in mind. The other thing is, uh, I went to a uh, memorial service for a friend's wife at the Unity Church a couple of weeks ago. I've driven by it many times, but I've never been there before. I was very impressed with the layout of the grounds. It was very uh, appealing and uh, attractive. And I think that there are a lot of ways we can satisfy the direct needs of having a meeting place and sanctuary. But I suggest that if, if people will uh, maybe visit various other churches, maybe not Unitarian churches always, but sometimes you'll see a feature that really looks nice. And when we have future meetings like this, I think we as individuals might contribute some thoughts. And the Unity Church 
just one place that I hadn't seen before and I was quite impressed with it. I didn't like the sanctuary particularly more, but the grounds were very impressive. Is that on East Venice Avenue? Yes. Okay. Uh, I just want to add something. The timing, we're getting near the end. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's true that in our civilization, the recognition of the mass of the civilization uh, follows a few years as a time lag between what's happening and all like that before it becomes a general recognition on the part of all of the community of needs and things and the direction that they're going, actually. There are a couple of things I want to bring to, bring to your attention this year that have never happened before, to my knowledge, in this uh, church. We had a pledge campaign. Rightfully, it was not done the way they should be done. It was just ad hocly thrown together at the last minute. But do you people realize that, in my memory, this is the first time we exceeded our amount? that we went out for. We've always been a few thousand dollars short of what we wanted. This year, we didn't even have a one, except when the budget people put the budget together, they upped the amount of pledge income by $20,000, and we exceeded it. So basically, we're about, I guess we're about $30,000 over what last year's pledges were. So that is something to there. The second thing is, for the first time in my memory, anyhow, uh, when we ask for volunteers, it's always been out there trying to drag and capture people to do things. We've actually had more people volunteer for certain jobs, and we've had to make a decision as to which is the best for the job. And that's a sign of maturity as well, in my mind. So keep those in mind. This is the direction, I think, that the congregation is going. As we grow, as people receive benefits of being part of this community, that we're going to have more and more of this than what we had before, where we had to literally trip people and tie them up to get them to do the jobs that needed to be done. We're now getting uh, an excess, which is great. I'm really happy with it. You've got one comment. <laughs> Well, I'll keep you <laughs> I just wanted to make a comment. Someone mentioned the solar panels, yes. and that will be a decision of the congregation because Joel has scheduled a meeting for that, and there was just a very small notice. Uh, but the congregation will have an opportunity to vote on that, and that's as it should be. Yes, and I'll say another thing about it. Uh, we debated this. Because uh, $40,000 is nothing to sneeze at. And uh, can we do it? Should we do it? And I've heard comments, you know, all the way from never should we waste that, waste that kind of money to that it's dumb not to do it. I mean, it's a logical thing to be done. Um, we have a campaign right now. We were lucky as soon as we mentioned the fact that we think we will be getting uh, okay to go ahead of this. We got $10,000 challenge grant from someone in the organization. And if we match that, and I don't know how much we've gotten toward matching it uh, yet, but here may be the one that can answer that, uh, we'll, um, we'll go on from there. But my expectation is that 
of the 40,000, by the time we do it, we're going to have something less than 10,000 that we'll have to use church money for. We're close to 20,000 already, and we got to go. I just want to make one point that, that was missed there. We're spending 40,000 of our money, but we're getting 40,000 from the Florida Power and Life, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a match one-to-one. -one. The more important thing is that uh, we save $5,000 a year on electricity costs, that, and, which means that in eight years, we have recovered the donation, and we've got another 20 years of pure profit. So it's, it's not just something we're doing for the environment, it's something we're doing for our own financial stability. Thank you, Bill. Okay, I think we're out of time. Thank you all. The vote is uh, May 10th. <laughs> I wanted to be proper. So if it's all right, I have a question and maybe a statement. We have, you. We. I'm starting to say we. I've been coming for six months. We. I have to explain to my friends. What's the matter? I love uh, I have been coming here for six months pretty regularly every Sunday. I have gone to the SIL meetings and I have joined one of the groups. And what I have seen, and I think it's important to do, it doesn't matter if they don't want to know. It, it, I think there's, from a business sense that I come from, I think what is important to do is from now till that gentleman arrives, I think a census should be made of how many people actually come in the, in the morning services, in the evening services, and in any of the group things. Upon that, I see even in this meeting, the chairs are not full. We are living in an area where the people aren't are part-time. And I think that to be care, very careful, please, not to over, over, overfill. That's what I'm going to say. And I think the solar things are wonderful.